Hey, do you want more WT Fada throughout the week? If so, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WTFADA underscore podcast. There, we post updates about episodes as well as news stories. Usually movies, sometimes just odd. Um, yeah, stay connected and enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 69th episode of the WT Photo Podcast. <laughs> I am John, joined here with Ron. As always, Ron, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I am uh, pretty good. I uh coasting into my day off, which is nice. And uh, just kind of was looking at some movie news. And I guess Alfred Molina is coming back as Doc Ock in the next Spider-Man movie. I just saw that myself. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. It's really interesting what's going on over there because you have Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. You have uh, Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Those are the only confirmed. But there's a lot of rumors about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire being involved as well. Um, Yeah, and like a multiverse there. Yeah, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. Why not? Like, let's get weird. I feel like DC. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, like I feel like DC and Marvel are both at the same point right now, where they're like, "Well, we have so many different versions of all of these characters that, like, we should really capitalize on, you know, how long we've been around, you know." And uh, that's where, like, there's rumors right now about Linda Carter wonder woman coming back for the flash movie and the flash movie already has michael keaton and ben affleck returning as uh batman you know wow so, i didn't know that yeah i know it's like wild shit going on it's like they're kind of both both studios arriving to the same conclusions at the same time yeah <laughs> kind of similar though to the comics i mean that's what happens in comic books you know somebody mm-hmm. has an idea and then somebody else like another company will be like, we should do that too. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, kind of uh, interesting to see it play out in Hollywood as well. But I don't know. It's exciting. Yeah. Like you said, let's get weird, man. I'm just ready for it. Like, what, dude, nothing makes sense anymore. Everything's a mess. Like, nothing seems real. Just throw it out there, see what sticks. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, even like, even to the point that you go, okay, so if it's Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, well, he died at the end of Spider-Man 2. Spoilers for a movie that came out in 2004. Yeah. Uh, but like, you sort of, it makes you wonder. You know, it makes you, you kind of feel like, um, like, is whatever multiverse, you know, cracking open type stuff, when is it going to happen in terms of Spider-Man 2? Because is he going to be like fighting toby mcguire's spider-man on the train and then all of a sudden be both of them are just gonna like fly into the spider-man three tom holland movie and like Mm -hmm. we're gonna catch the mid-battle or something and 
then like what happened in spider-man 2 at the end of spider-man 2 doesn't happen or i don't know it's like it's a lot of weird story possibilities that mm-hmm. occur when you start toying around with the multiverse i'm very excited about it yeah yeah i don't know uh neat it's just nice to actually have movie news as well i know it almost doesn't feel real because like you hear movie news and it's just like you know <laughs> covid just could just squash everything at any time so it's like i'm hearing all this stuff and i'm like all right that's cool but is it really ever gonna happen yeah you know well, it's funny like for the last for quite a while now like the movie news was basically like well they pushed it back they pushed it back they pushed it back <laughs> you know and now it, like you're starting to feel like oh like they i guess some of the actors have wrapped production on the batman so like you're hearing about things getting finished again which is like oh that's exciting you know mm-hmm. um but i don't know it's uh it's definitely been a strange year for movies and it only got stranger um this week with uh we haven't talked since the hbo max announcement right Mm, i don't think so i don't think we have yeah the hbo max announcement that uh warner brothers pictures all of their movies are going to be releasing on that streaming service day and date with um uh movie theaters so wow yeah so not just one wonder woman 1984 but also the suicide squad um godzilla versus kong or kong versus godzilla whichever however that fight is built um dune um the matrix four you know what i mean like some pretty intense movies are going to be streaming directly to your house and uh, the repercussions of this have uh, have already been felt. Uh, I guess Chris Nolan penned an open letter, being like, "You're fucking murdering movie theaters. I hate you." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, AMC has kind of chimed in, but not as aggressive as they were with Universal. And I don't know what that's about. I, don't, I was trying to figure out why the wording was less severe when they were talking about. Uh, when they're talking about WB and I honestly am not 100% sure why I think it's just that maybe it's like universal. They felt like they could push around a little bit more because universal has a struggling monster universe and uh, they have the fast and the furious movies was kind of the only thing that was holding them on. But like, if you look at the Warner brothers catalog, there's an awful lot of, movies that you wouldn't like with 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 universal they were pretty much like well you can take your movies and shove them right up your ass we're not going to show your your pictures you know Mm -hmm. but that's harder to do with warner brothers because their portfolio is fucking vast you know like are you really going to tell them like we don't want to show the matrix four you know we don't want to show dune we don't want to show any dc movie like it's it would be the same thing like it would be even worse if like if Disney makes that move, if Disney follows suit and they're like, our movies are going to be available on Disney plus day and date with the theater release. I feel like AMC is just going to be like, okay. <laughs> like just mm-hmm. total acceptance and very quiet. Like, all right, whatever. Fine. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Um, yeah, dude. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I don't want movie theaters to go away. Um. No, I, I don't either. I, I feel like it's a, um, I feel like it would be a mistake 
you know? So. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like the movie-going experience is kind of like a special sacred thing for me. Like, I, I somebody was commenting on the post that I put on Instagram, and uh, we kind of went back and forth, like, just talking about, like, the nitty-gritty stuff of it. And uh, in that post, I was like, theaters are my church. Like, I don't, I don't go to mass, you know what I mean? But I go to a, a theater house to experience a story in the grandest way I possibly can, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, for me, it, it, like, I love IMAX. I've, I've done the Dolby Digital uh, theaters as well. Like, any way that you can make that story uh, sing, you know, like the, the, all of it, you know, is, uh, it's special to me. And I don't want to, I don't want to see it go away, but I also don't think that enough people feel the same way that I do, you know, and, and there's a lot of arguments that can be made for why movie theaters aren't the best choice for viewing a film. Like even the idea of like, you know people on their cell phones you know distracting you while you're trying to watch the movie or the sound of people opening fucking candy wrappers or you know chewing on popcorn all of those things like could be detractors to that experience but like it's it's so it's such a unique thing and and i don't feel like it would be i feel like it it would be a it'd be a sad world not to have that anymore you know, I agree. I agree with that 100 percent as convenient as, a, as it would be to have the option to watch these movies at home. Mm-hmm. I still I still want to have that that option to go out to a movie theater and yeah. do everything that you just said. Yeah. You know, it's part of the I, experience, crying babies and people who won't shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it really is. And like, I remember I mean, they're not fond memories, but like you remember like, oh, yeah, I went to see that movie and there was, you know, this thing that happened or that thing that happened, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is like forming memories. It, what Like the difference for me is like, and I've, I've already kind of made up my mind, like I'm going to go to the theater to see Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have been waiting uh, for a while to see it and I just I don't think that I can watch it on HBO Max only I really want to have that first experience be the big whiz bang you know holy fucking shit like that's so great you know um, but I like the idea that now I, it still hurts theaters right it still hurts theaters because I'm probably going to go see it once in theaters Um mm. But I like the idea that, like, as soon as I get home, having watched the movie, I could rewatch it if I like it. You know what I mean? Like, immediately. And that that's a nice, that's a, that's a cool thing. I, I really enjoy that thought, you know? But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to the movies to see that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I will not be watching. I am boycotting. Gal Gadot is canceled in my eyes. What? Why? You think I was, you think I was kidding? Oh no! When Dude. did this? When did this happen? Wait, this was months ago, wasn't it? <laughs> you remember? You remember that conversation we had? Now <laughs> she's done, dude. Oh no! You know, not doing it. She she ruined everything. 
but we have to do a show on Wonder Woman 1984. I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I could just be on it and being like, uh, well, this movie <laughs> sucks. I'm not watching it. And then everything good you have to say, I'm like, ah, that sounds like it kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, you'd just be like, that would be awesome if it wasn't for Gal Gadot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. If that was just somebody else, that scene would have oh, been great. <laughs> yes, Ronda Rousey. Let Ronda <laughs> Rousey have a turn. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm only kidding. Thank God. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to carry that show alone. I, I really yeah. want you to watch it, John. Please watch it. Oh, you could. Dude, you're the man. You are the man. No. No, no, no. I, I just I, This podcast I'm, would be nothing without you. Oh, and come the on. way you... Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me in front of all the listeners. I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it right now. The show would be nothing without you. I'd be nothing without you. Could you imagine if it was my dumbass? I got nothing of substance to say. I, I everything that I have that's good to say just feeds off Ron. Ron provides the content, and then I just, you know, I'm like, all right, let's go away looking at it, man. Well, choose you I, what happens. I love having. <laughs> I love having. Uh, you as my co-pilot you know some people have jesus i say fuck that fool give me johnny c whoa ironically jc the same initials same initials jesus christ whoa. baby right here that's wild <laughs> <laughs> uh man i uh yeah i yeah i appreciate it you know i i uh I really try, like, uh, you know, whatever I'm working on, I really try to put, like, as much of myself into it as I can. And I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, WT Fada is something that, it, you know, this is this is just so much fun for me. I, I love, you know, sitting down and talking shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like uh, putting together, like, the promo videos. And, you know, it's all good shit, you know. It's just really fun. It is fun. It gives you like more, me- you know, new meaning to when you watch movies. You know, you kind of look at them a different way. Yeah, you watch you, them differently. It's fun. It's a good do. time. And I think, like, even to even like as I've watched what we're going to talk about today, uh, I noticed a couple things that I'm like, oh, that's weird. You know, never, never really, <laughs> never really saw that like little tiny joke. That was yeah, there. but uh-huh. uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you have anything else going on this week? Do anything? Um, no, I watched this movie called uh, Rust Creek on Netflix. Ooh. I don't know. It was like trending or something. I just figured I'd toss it on. It sounded interesting. It's about this woman who she's like applying to colleges and she's like driving through to do an interview, do like a very like uh, underpopulated area, wooded area. And the GPS just takes her like all this, all these detours and like this roadblocks or whatever. And like these people, you know, end up like they're like doing something shady and they think that uh, she saw them. Okay. So they like, like follow her and she, she pulls over or something and then they kind of like, like, oh yeah, you know, like the whole like, we're really friendly, this and that. Here's a map, 
you know, um, it's about to get really dark soon. You should just come back with us, you know, and it just goes haywire from there. But it wasn't a bad movie, you know, it was, it was good. It wasn't like the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it was all right. But yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Um, you know, worth checking out, I'd say, if you ever just want to watch like, a casual movie. Yeah. You know, um, I also rewatched Knock Knock. Did you ever oh, watch that? I did watch Knock Knock, you I did. believe, on your recommendation. Yeah, yeah I know I, I picked it up. I mentioned it before, but it was the other night. It was late at night, and I was just scrolling by, and I saw it. I was like, well, you know, fuck it. Let's check this one out again. It's been a while. I forgot how fucking crazy that movie was. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, it just goes to a whole different level than I remembered. Yeah. And that performance from Keanu Reeves, it's unique. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's always a little bit strange, you know? Yeah. You fucked me. Yeah. You sucked my cock. <laughs> you sucked my cock. And again, it's a thing where like, I'm watching this movie through like a different perspective than I normally would because yeah. we cover a lot of movies now. And I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't see Keanu Reeves take the L a lot in in movies, but no. he he got bested in this one. Yeah, yeah. He uh he just has such a strange delivery you know yeah. like it's really awkward sometimes like even like i like john wick <laughs> but even when they have him tied to the chair and he's threatening the people and he like starts yelling and stuff it's mm-hmm. like you just don't buy it like it's just yeah not, he's so not an angry person that it, mm-hmm. it's hard to actually like believe that he's upset you know <laughs> so like that was weird in John Wick. It's weird in Knock Knock. And even like uh, he was in a movie called The Watcher with uh, James Spader um, in like the early 2000s. And Keanu Reeves played a serial killer. And it was just like, there's, I just cannot buy you as a serial killer. It's just really weird. He's like, yeah, too, he's yeah. too nice of a guy. Mm-hmm. He just exudes niceness, you know? He's too like be excellent to each other type guy. <laughs> yeah, it's hard you to know? it's hard to pivot that energy into, you know, I'm a serial killer. I like to strangle women, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just not there. Like I'm watching knock knock and those those two girls are hitting on and I'm like, did y'all see Bill and Ted? Cause I don't know if that's your type. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like uh the the character types are actually like kind of similar to Bill and Ted's actual daughters in the third one. Now that I'm thinking oh, about yeah. it, like the brunette yeah, and the blonde. <laughs> it's kind of I weird. Didn't, I didn't make that connection. That's yeah, hilarious. I'm just thinking about it now. But uh yeah, that that movie is strange. That's a, a Boston boy putting that one on Ey Roth. Eli Roth, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who you know is the bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards, which we cut oh, no back. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. I remember you saying that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a weird kind of he's he's schlocky. Like he he makes movies about like that are that he makes movies that are just like raw exploitation films like Hostel and I think he did the sequel to Hostel as well. Mm-hmm. And then he did one called The Green Inferno, which I have not watched, but I've heard, I've heard of it. Things. I haven't watched it, though. 
I've heard some things about stuff that's going on in that movie, and it's just like Jesus Christ! Like this is just abysmal. Like the, mm-hmm. the fucking shit that he's putting these characters through is just fucking grotesque, you know? Dude, there there was a part in Knock Knock when the two girls are like, this is like deep in the movie, and um, they have Keanu Reeves tied up, and one of his friends, Lewis, shows up who's going to buy his wife's art. Mm-hmm. and they grab his inhaler and they're like tossing it back and forth and then one of the girls goes oh a monkey in the middle and the other girl's like oh ha 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 that's racist you can't say that because yeah. you know the guy was an african-american i'm like oh my god yeah I, that's something i i didn't i don't remember that part from before but again you know yeah, i'm like paying no. attention to like everything that goes down and i'm like jesus christ yeah it's kind of cringy like and like, they're like it's not kind of cringy it it's very cringy it, it yeah. is, which is like it's on par with the character that those girls were playing. Like they're just savage and just, just horrible. Like, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. But still, <laughs> some I didn't, I didn't catch the first time around. Yeah, it's it's you know like Eli Roth is a kind of like a provocateur. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he reminds me of, um, you know, he reminds me of like even like in comics. There's like Frank Miller um, that did Sin City and like you know his like he does this thing where like there's a lot of like swastikas and stuff that he throws into his work um and it's very uh yeah just it makes you uncomfortable and i feel like uh i feel like like a guy like eli roth is kind of like doing the same thing where he's like trying to actually like make your skin crawl but Mm -hmm. I think there's good ways to do that, and I think there's bad ways to do that. Have you ever seen Cape Fear? No, but it sounds familiar. <laughs> Cape Fear, there's an old version of it that had uh, Robert uh, Robert Mitchum and uh, Gregory Peck in it. And then there's another one that I like that uh, is Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte, and Juliette Lewis plays his daughter, right? And she was like 17 when they shot it um but there is this scene that happens in it that like it makes your skin crawl but it's it's like like the the way that it's handled is like a little bit different um the first the first thing that happens is de niro calling her specifically and posing as a school teacher so like she's talking to robert de niro who's actually max katie who's like a con a convict an ex-con that's been released from prison and he went to jail because her father is a lawyer was a public defender who you know max katie feels like you didn't defend me because you thought i was guilty so you sent me to jail and now I'm coming back to like seek revenge against you and your family. And the way that he, he masquerades as a school teacher, the drama teacher, and is basically saying like, Oh, after school, you know, come downstairs to the auditorium, you know, and I want you to try out for a part and blah, 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 like some type of ruse. And then, uh, so that's the first part. And you're already like, that's already making your skin crawl. And then they actually have the scene where they like meet, face to face and like slowly she starts to piece together that he's not the drama teacher you know mm-hmm. and uh it's a very very uncomfortable scene it really does make your skin crawl it sounds like it um but 
it's just handled more like there are consequences to like the things that it feels like there are consequences to the things that happen in Cape Fear and I think like mm-hmm. if you deal with that stuff and you don't have consequences it kind of makes it I don't know it's dangerous territory it's really dangerous mm-hmm. territory people yeah it feels know. like something that's more just kind of glossed over like hey no big deal you know people yeah. just walk away from this just fine like it's it is important to show the other side of that it's it seems it's just in bad taste you know mm-hmm. like it's just in bad taste it's like you're doing it like like who, who are you making this movie for you know what i mean mm-hmm. right um i don't know you have anything else you want to talk about you want to um no i think that's about it um i will tell you though i listened to a podcast recently the michaela peterson podcast which she had i know you're a big fan of jordan peterson they had wim hoff on oh and listen to that podcast was a pretty good one um yeah you know he was talking about all his neurological damage that he had from like these medications that he was given jordan Mm -hmm. peterson and you know, they were kind of talking about the Wim Hof breathing method and the, the cold therapy and this and that. And he's like, dude, you know, just keep doing that. And like, that'll certainly help with those issues. And, right. you know, I know we've kind of glossed over that before. And, you know, it sounds like this, this dude's method is like almost like a cure-all type thing. But, you know, I thought it was really interesting. If that's something I know you like, Jordan Peterson <laughs> might be a good episode for you to check out if you haven't. Yeah. I would be interested in checking that out. I, I uh, you know, I... I do, I think that he's misunderstood. I read his book and I don't, I never felt anything like he's saying things that I don't think are bad and people treat him like he's like horrendous. And I Really? I yeah. haven't heard the backlash about him, but. <clears throat> the backlash about him is mostly centered on, there was a bill that was trying, they were trying to pass in Canada and it was basically a, uh, bill that it the 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 front page the first page of it is basically like here we're going to introduce like 72 gender pronouns right and Mm -hmm. you know people will tell you which one of the 72 you are and then if you don't call them by that or if you make a mistake you're a horrible person right so that's the first page and then beyond that is a bunch of other things about what you're allowed to say and not say blah 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 right and mm-hmm. that's the broad strokes as far as I understand them. But Jordan Peterson is somebody that like has a background in uh, like he's done a lot of research about, you know, Mao's China and, uh, you know, the Soviet era, like communism uh, and, and what happened there. And basically, he just feels like it's a very, very dangerous um, precedent, like you're passing you're passing laws you're passing bills into laws that uh basically determine what people are allowed to say and not say and it's like what are the what are the punishments for not complying like Mm -hmm. what like is that a slippery slope and he was just kind of like i don't think that we should support that bill because this 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 and this and everybody Mm -hmm. was like you're transphobic you're a piece of shit and he's like i'm not transphobic I will call somebody whatever they want to be called, but mm-hmm. I don't think that there should be laws written about speech. Yeah. That's, that's his point. And, okay. uh, you know, like to like up, up until hate speech, hate speech. It's like, yeah, we should probably try to like put a damper on that shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he kind of took that stance and people kind of, 
they just went buck wild with it and you know there's people that think jordan peterson is actually like secretly a nazi that you know his book is about nazism and stuff and i'm like i read his book there's a chapter about cleaning your room and it just is like you should you should make your bed in the morning so that you have self-respect and then other people will see that you have respect for yourself and that affects them positively because they know that you're taking care of yourself and you know then that spreads from like you taking care of yourself and then they're like i'm gonna take care of myself too and then blah 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 blah, blah. it's like there's nothing about nazism in it there's just nothing like people are like read between the lines and i'm like there's there's nothing between the lines let's just read the fucking words you know i don't know it's really Wait, you mean you mean hitler never started his um his whole regime by saying clean your room I don't I don't believe so. I didn't read that. I haven't read Mein Kampf though, so I don't know I don't know exactly. He might have a chapter in there about cleaning your room, it's possible. Maybe. He might have it as a metaphor. Yeah. Clean your room. Purify it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Something yeah. fucking horrifying. Uh yeah, I don't know. Uh <laughs> but anyways, I, I feel like we should throw to commercial before we get too out of hand. Do you agree? Yeah, I'll say I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <sighs> All right, so we're going to throw it a commercial, and then when we get back, I'm going to ask John my favorite question of the week. Hey, guys, do you need a new bath mat or a shower curtain or maybe even a bedspread? And ideally, would you like those things to have our faces printed all over them? It's a rhetorical question. I know that the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Head over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com so that you can start adorning your house with WT Fada merchandise today. John! What the fuck are we talking about? Are we doing that right now? Yeah, we, we we went to commercial. Yeah, just in that like in that split half of a second, we were in commercial. Wow, I hope you guys enjoyed the commercial, right? Because because <laughs> we're about to talk about for our 69th episode, we want to do something kind of goofy and lackadaisical and just you know overall dirty. Yeah, and like what other movie would be better than Super Bad? Oh my God, Super Bad! It's a gem. Like a, a a legitimate gem, uh, I love Superbad so much. You know, this movie came out around the time that we were the same age of um. Oh my God! How did I forget their names? Oh my God! Seth, um, Seth and uh, what the fuck is his name? Evan. Evan. Seth and Evan. I'm so <laughs> bad with names, dude. I literally just watched this again this morning. Um, but yeah, we were you know when this movie came out, we were basically the same age as them. So like this yeah. is right now warehouse. Yeah, it's crazy actually. Like the uh, it really it hit at the like the perfect time, and it felt very relatable. <laughs> it was like it was like we all we all know what it's like to be like outcasts, like to be horny outcasts, mm-hmm. and to be completely dreading ever being like Steven Glansberg. We've all been there. <laughs> you know <laughs> right a fate worse no, than but death. a lot of it is like you know the same type of humor that you know 
we have, but like amplified, you yes. know, and yeah. like, that's, I think that's like a, that's good. That's, that's a good way to, um, you know, put humor on the big screen is it's, it's to over-exaggerate things. And like, you know, it kind of, cause it takes that to that next level where it's like, that is ridiculous, but you know, we don't actually like do these things. It's just, you know, it's, that's the humor in it. Like you don't right. actually say and do the things that these people fucking do. Yeah. And it's just like the, you know, you find yourself in similar situations and like you see them just go like complete 180 with, you know, the way you would handle it. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much, uh, there's, there's like, so many incredible like it, it, there's a, so many incredible performances in this movie they just feel supernatural they feel super real and like my thing and i feel like we've gotten to this point now but like like these are teenagers like this feels like teenagers and i know that like jonah hill's actually you know a little bit older mm-hmm. in super bad but like they sell it they make it feel like yes this is these are actual kids and i remember like the difference between seeing that and seeing like toby mcguire pretend to be a high schooler for the original spider-man and i remember watching Superbad and being like i wonder what it would be like if they had a spider-man movie where like the teenagers were teenagers you know and now we're Mm -hmm. there now we're actually doing that and like you know they obviously can't do what they're doing here but they've had like a little bit of like those tongue-in-cheek uh moments like particularly with ned in the first movie when he's doing the man in the chair oh yeah 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 that you know so i uh but yeah no i just feel like this doesn't feel like a movie super bad doesn't feel like a movie it feels like a documentary or something you know (laughs) (laughs) well seth rogan started writing the rough drafts this when he was 13 years old 13 yeah dude crazy yeah Yeah. so it's basically like a documentary about him when well, he was yeah, 13 because, you know you got seth and then uh evan is his uh his writing partner um mm. i believe yeah written by evan goldberg mm-hmm. so it's like it's literally they went to school together and actually if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff you actually meet the real life fogel and it turns out that that dude is way cooler than evan and seth <laughs> really yeah is that why they made him into like a a nerdy like butt of the joke type character or he used to be one and then like grew into himself or something maybe (laughs) but like they showed him and he had like long hair and a leather jacket he looked like the dude from creed (laughs) (laughs) michael b jordan no i'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) a little yeah no i got you i got you i see the way you went with that zigzagging (laughs) zigzagging um yeah so it's it it is it's you know i think that there's like an authenticity to the scripting of super bad that's hard to ignore you know like this isn't uh an adult trying to sound like a teenager this is an adult literally looking at dialogue he wrote when he was a teenager and being like i remember exactly what this was you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so you know i mean let's really get to the big important thing in all of this the deeper meaning and thematic structures present in super bad if you if you found them i'd be happy to hear it <laughs> well you know it's really funny like i think one of the things that works with super bad is uh 
like one of the reasons that it actually like stays like for me it's like a perennial favorite i probably watch super bad realistically like five times a year like pretty consistently i I Uh fucking love this movie um one of the reasons that it stays so like ever present in my mind is like look at the work all right so some like i like robocop like i am fucking bananas about robocop that first robocop movie is fucking magnificent and one of the things i love about robocop is that they actually have like a there is such an important message wrapped up in something that looks so stupid like it just looks so (laughs) dumb there's like a guy that's like walking around in like a garbage can and all the criminals are like terrified of him shit you know and it's like how much it's called robocop like how 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 good could it possibly be and it's like mm-hmm. dude that movie is touching on like christian theology like like the 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 way that alex murphy is killed and uh he dies and then he's brought back to life and then he becomes like the savior of detroit you know it's like that's jesus that's jesus like he fucking gets tortured dies and then returns and saves everyone that's mm-hmm. what robocop's doing so like yeah. there's that element um there's the questions of like who you are and like what makes you human like how much mm-hmm. of you can get ripped away before you're no longer who you were you know so all that stuff wrapped up in that in super bad is kind of the same thing i think if you sit down to watch super bad you go this is just a movie about teenagers doing teenager things and it's just dumb comedy like non-stop all throughout it but in fact it's deeply rooted in christian theology evan is no i'm just kidding um <laughs> no. uh, i was like where are you going with this <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry uh no i mean it's a story it's a it's a very like sweet heartwarming coming of age story uh you know uh, and and about it's about growing up and it's about what friendship is and it's about you know the inevitable passage of time and the way that Mm. like things are going to change you're like you're going to drift apart and it's like it's okay you know like you're going to be all right you know and like at the end of the day you're going to have these memories and you're always going to be friends and it's okay you know and there's something like it's so like warm and fuzzy at its core and the outside of it is just so raunchy and thick badge titties you know what i mean like all of that stuff you know like it's uh it's kind of fascinating it's like almost like like something that would be subversive is something that seems wholesome but is actually like feeding you a subversive message of like no, it's not wholesome. Like, look deeper. See what we're actually trying to say. This is the opposite of like subversive. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, look, we're like raunchy, 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 and then actually, like, no, we're actually very, very sweet. Like, there, and I think that there's something special about that, like dissonance. You know that that amount of um, the amount of distance between what super bad actually is at its core and what it presents as is kind of fascinating. You know. Hmm yeah it's a good way to look at it you know you kind of look back and you know we were in high school and you know you you make a lot of like the similar type jokes you know just like the on the surface immature like 
you know, and you kind of go through the same thing. It's like, you know, you have friends that are applying to colleges and, you know, you don't know where everyone's going to go. And, you know, it's, this movie came out so long ago, they had like foot phones in there. Right. So you didn't, yeah. you know, we, we, we just started, I think, I think around that time, we just started getting Facebook. We had MySpace and stuff. So like, there was like still ways where like if people went away, you could still like communicate. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but still it was like, life was just beginning. I know. Right. And you didn't even realize it. Yeah. I think like when you're going through it, it's like, uh, it's this, I, I think you kind of feel like time is starting to move faster and the time is like slipping away from you and that, you know, you know, it's not going to last, you know, that it's going to be, you know, it's finite the time that you spend in high school. Uh, and, uh, but I don't think you really are prepared for it to change the way that it does and i think you know like you we man we're fucking 11 years out from graduating you know it feels it feels like a a different lifetime yeah a different lifetime man like that it feels like that never happened in the life that i am living right now yeah weird it's so weird yeah like jumping a timeline or something like mm. talking about multiverses and the off topic, yeah like, yeah it, it's like i know that this happened but that was like you know yeah. i guess you just kind of just live and you just i don't know you just change so much like you're just your mind you know it's crazy how much things change but stay the same yeah i don't know yeah it, and i think like that's something that I don't know, Superbad catches that feeling for me where it's like you kind of like all these characters know that they they're coming to the end of something, you know, Mm. and it's sort of like trying to prepare themselves for like what what's to come next. It's a strange it feels almost like um, like tying like tidying up your affairs um, at the end of your life. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of doing the same thing, like setting your house in order. But, you know, in, in this case, setting their house in order is just getting laid. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> but it does well, feel like unfinished business, you know? Well, it's funny because you got Seth, who's like, you know, very much so like a womanizer. And he's just he's like, I want to, you know, college. He's like very, you know, it comes from a place of fear. You know, he, he wants mm. to have that experience. So when he goes to college, like he just, he wants to be liked. He wants to be mm-hmm. the man, you know, he wants to be good at that kind of stuff when you get to college, you know, cause in his mind, it's like college, like it's all partying and it's sleeping with women, this and that. And like, I want to be prepared for that. And that's all he cares about. And then you got yeah. Evan who's like, he's like, I really like this girl, Becca. And he's like, I want to, I want to be with her. I want to spend time with her. So you got like two best friends who are like, you know, who have similarities in the middle, but like, they're kind of on the end of the spectrum with, and then their mm-hmm. goals there, different ends there. And then yeah. you got Fogel, who's just like, just trying to live day by day, just living life day by day. Fogel's like a very mysterious uh, fellow. You know what I mean? And I think that like, I think that you can see like if you're talking about like the the motorcycle riding long-haired leather jacket wearing fogel in you know real life and it's like it feels like this is kind of an origin story for that badass like this is a dude that like got like hung out with cops fucking shot a gun and burned a police car all this fucking Mm -hmm. shit like feels like this is the start of that dude's life you know which is pretty cool um (laughs) 
but yeah, no, I, I mean, also the thing that you were talking about with Seth, I just want to say that this movie has probably one of my favorite lines of dialogue ever, which is, uh, I, I'm sorry, it's a very frank movie. They don't hold punches. Uh, my favorite line of dialogue, I think, ever is, I don't want to get to college and have girls think that I suck dick at fucking pussy. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> it's like just the best string of words ever put to screen. <laughs> is, dude, well, this is this is the first thing I've ever I've ever seen Jonah Hill in and Michael Sarah. I know Michael Sarah was in Arrested Development, which I've watched a few episodes. He was really young in that. And I think yeah. did he do Scott Pilgrim before Super Bad? I don't think so. No, I don't know. Scott Pilgrim I was after. It was after, because, yeah. Yeah, it was this was the first thing I saw him into. But dude, they they killed it. Like they those parts were made for them. Jonah Hill, his delivery of his jokes. Oh he's amazing. So fast, man. He, yeah. And, like, and it's just it comes out so natural. Like yeah. I feel like that's Jonah Hill in real life. Yeah. Like I feel, it was very much something where like you you just kind of have to let him go. You just you just give him the script and then you just let him run with it. And mm-hmm. uh god damn, he is so funny. And I mean, both of them are funny in different ways. Like I, I, a lot of people have that thing. A lot of people bring up Michael Sarah and Jesse Eisenberg almost in the same breath where it, like they, they're kind of like matched together. And a lot of people have the same critique that it's like, they're just so fucking annoying, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. I just, I know that Michael Sarah is kind of awkward and strange, but he is funny. Like he, he's a different type of funny, but he is, I, he does I it agree. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all three of them have their shining moments between Evan, Seth, and Fogel. You yeah. know, in different ways. There's like, yeah. it's. I mean, I, I haven't. I don't watch this movie that often. Like, I've seen it a handful of times. I think yeah. this is the first time I've seen it in like a really long time. But, dude, 13 years later, it holds up. I'm still dying laughing. Yeah, it's a lot weird. Of stuff. It's weird. It does it like I feel like that's one of the things that qualifies a classic. Is it doesn't feel timeless. And it's like, hmm. yeah, man. I mean, I think that if you had gone, if you tried to show this to people in the 50s, I feel like they would have been like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, they would <laughs> never have fucking bought it. But I feel like from the time that it was made till now, this thing hasn't aged a day. You know, hmm. like, I feel like this is always going to be funny. I went out to dinner the other night uh, with a couple of guys that I used to work with. And uh, they're much younger than me. Like, um, probably like eight years or so so you gotta think we were in high school when super bad came out right you so, went out to dinner with a bunch of eight-year-olds yes a bunch of eight-year-olds that i used to work with at the boys and girls club yes <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, that was funny <laughs> no, i was like I, well i mean you know <laughs> you do it. No. uh i went to uh i went to dinner with uh these two guys so if we were in high school and we were like what well, came out in 2009, right? Uh, seven. Oh, yeah. It came out in 2007. So we would have been like 17 when this came out. The guys that I went to dinner with were eight years younger, which means that they were nine years old when this movie came out. Now, there is no chance in hell that they saw Superbad uh, when they were nine years old, right? Mm-hmm. But I made a reference to Superbad. I had it on the mind. Uh, I made a reference to Superbad and they both started dying laughing. And then they were saying like, that is a, like the funniest fucking movie, blah, 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 blah. So like, mm-hmm. you got to think that they fucking discovered that like probably like at least 
five to six years after it was released yeah you know i feel like super bad is always going to be able to find a new audience because it's just it's so outrageous and i think again the core of that story is so sweet that you know it's like it's undeniable you know what i mean like anybody that watches it kind of has the same takeaway like even people that don't like raunchy humor and like you know can do without all the cussing you know Mm -hmm. it's like at the end of the day like if you can look past that stuff and see what the movie's about like it's so rewarding and it's like oh man that is such a that's such a nice story like it's so cute you know Mm -hmm. uh it's it's a kind of fascinating it's kind of amazing I didn't expect this this to take this kind of turn. Like this, super has this heartwarming story of growth and you know your friends and this and that. <laughs> I really think that though. I mean, I, I, that's no, why it I, makes sense. It makes sense. It, you know, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know, there's just there's moments in this movie where you see it. You know, like when the cops like come to bust up the party and like <laughs> Jonah was like he goes and he gets Evan and he has to like carry him out. Because Evan is like totally fucking wasted, then he's like holding him like 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 you take a princess over the the threshold of your new house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's holding him like that, like carrying him like a baby, and like there's just this like there's this unflinching there's just this unflinching sweetness about like the way that they relate to each other, and yeah, I don't know. It's 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 way different than you would expect it's way different right than you would think that this was all going to be surface level and it's like nah this is like mm-hmm. complex shit going on between these people you know yeah well it is you know it is comforting to watch you know a movie like this because it kind of brings you back to those years you know going through high school and you know the things the problems that you had faced at that time and you know the world ahead of you and you know we've lived through that and then some yeah. And you know what those people were, you know, going like preparing for. Yeah. <sighs> it's like takes you back, and you're like, man, I just I remember those days where like that's all that mattered, you know. Yeah. That was it. Dude, like being a high schooler, it was like you had like your little obligations, uh, but nothing really happened if you didn't meet them, mm-hmm. you know. And like you, you could just waste days. You could just waste days because you had so many of them ahead of you. And I think the older you get, the more you're like, fuck, I gotta fucking move. Like I, I gotta get this shit off the ground, like and in a hurry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but there is something about like those carefree teenage years, you know. It shares like a little bit of DNA with like the way I feel about uh it chapter one like Mm -hmm. the way that like you see the kids just hanging out and just like spending an entire day just going and like you know swimming down at the rock quarry or you know it's like it's like when plans were just spontaneous and they were contained to where you could you know ride a bike to you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it was just like a simpler a simpler world and uh yeah, I mean, major major nostalgia factor with super bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What do you uh, do? You have any standouts from the cast? Anybody like? I mean, we brought up Jonah Hill. He's obviously on point. Is there anybody like secondary characters outside of the the Holy Trinity that uh, are worth mentioning? 
<sighs> I mean, Bill Hader and Seth Rogen as the cops. Obviously, they were they were awesome. <laughs> I would love to see more of them because I got the sense that they really aren't being like <clears throat> they're not really being who they are in the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. that if you were to see them on a regular work day, um, although they kind of are acting a little bit weird right off the bat though, huh? Because they're talking about, they're asking the woman for help identifying who punched Fogel and they're sort of like right from the get go are kind of like slapsticky. So maybe they are actually like that. There's a little bit of a sense that they kind of like leaned into being irresponsible because they knew that Fogel was an underage drinker and, you know, they that whole thing that they explain in the later parts of the film where it's like, I, you know, we saw like a little bit of ourselves in you and that exactly. you know, that's why we went this way. So like, I, it feels almost like they played it up a bit. Like they weren't, uh, they weren't going to be, they weren't going to be quite themselves because they were like taking the night off more or less, you know? Right. Well, I mean, they came in and they were kind of like, for the most part at first, kind of like all business and, you know, you like, like, like they explained, they ran into situation where it kind of reminded them of what it was like to be younger, you know? And it's like that, you know, at, I mean, we're only 30. They must've been, you got a probably late thirties in that movie early 40s i'd say mid 30s late 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 30s maybe something like that that. but you know you kind of get that it kind of happens to me every now and then you know you see younger people and the way that they are enjoying things and seeing life and it you know it's like a reminder of of when you were that young and it kind of like snaps you out of like the day-to-day shit that you go through now yeah you're like damn like i remember what it felt like to be that young it's a it's special you know like <laughs> just the uh just to just to have like a a freshness to your perspective you know mm-hmm. um absolutely you know i get more jaded by the day you know like i get more and more like yeah been there seen that like nothing's new mm-hmm. um that's a tough thing to try to conquer you know yeah the cynicism sets in yeah it's difficult like i don't know it's easy to kind of like get lost in it um but i don't know um there's a lot of firsts in this movie though right because this is the first time i've saw jonah hill michael sarah um christopher mintz plass uh and uh emma stone right like this is i'd never seen emma stone in fucking anything up up until this point i don't think i had either to be honest uh, yeah it's amazing what else how, she's really in. no it's amazing how good all of them are like all of these actors are you know mm-hmm. and that they pretty much hang the whole movie on their performances i mean it's all well and good if you have bill Hader and seth rogan playing the cops but like they're not in it for that much like this is really the kids movie you know Mm-hmm. Um, to be clear, super bad, not a kid's movie. I'm just saying this is the teenagers <laughs> in the movie. It's their kind of, it's their movie is what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't show this to your kids. Um, 
so yeah, I uh, I thought she was great too. I mean, she brings like a she's wise, you know. She's smarter than uh, it's not a big stretch, but she's smarter than these high school boys. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was gonna bring that up. Um, there was like a couple things that happened in this movie that seemed it was like ahead of its time, you know, mm. but with um her 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 and Seth's uh like you know the beginning of their uh relationship or wherever it goes there you know it's like you kind of have that like that reverse there where he's trying to get with her and she's like um i don't drink so i'm not drunk and you're drunk so like we shouldn't even do anything and it seemed like it came from like a i don't want to take advantage of you type thing you know and i'm like you don't really see that from you know the opposite that opposite way there you know yeah yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that she's a very sweet girl, you know, I think that she's a, she's just a lovely character, you know, and she, that's the, that's my takeaway from her is that she's, she just feels wise, like she, she mm-hmm. really does, that's the word that I would use to describe Jules, because it just seems like she kind of like she has a leg up on everybody else. Like even, um, even Becca, you know, like Becca seems like irresponsible, uh, young, wild, you know, wild child. But it seems to me that Jules feels like an old soul or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Right. Like she doesn't have the same, desires or values of you know that the other the other high schoolers do like there's just something more to her she's looking for yeah she's more thoughtful you know yeah it feels like everybody else is kind of just like oh what are we we gonna do next you know and she's like okay that's cool that that could be something that we do next but we should probably like think about whether or not that's such a good idea you know Mm -hmm. and like it even shows in like the fact that she doesn't she like says that she doesn't drink and it's like well you know she's throwing this massive party get together and all of these kids are drinking and getting crazy at her house and it's like you know she's doing that because seems like everybody wants to drink so okay like we'll have alcohol at this party but she's like she's focused she's like no i I don't i don't want to i don't want to touch that stuff because i don't want to i don't want to get fucked up you know what i mean and and she seems like she has like dreams and aspirations and goals and all of those things Mm. that kind of like she's probably the most prepared for the next step of any of the characters she's already kind of thinking like an adult you know right right you know it's like all those other kids i'm sure had have dreams and aspirations all the stuff but they're like kind of like hey we're young like let's party it up and yeah. you know she kind of has that mentality where she's just like yeah you know like that's great and like that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but that's just you know not me yeah she's she's like everybody else it just feels like it's like being in like a mist or a haze right where it's like you can only really see like five feet out in front of you so it's like you're not really thinking about what's you know way down the road it seems like jules is kind of her gaze is cast a little bit higher and she's able to see just a little bit further and you know that's informing her decisions 
Right. I like her as a character. Like, I think she's a nice counterpoint to how kind of zany and crazy everybody else is. Yeah. Well, it's like you get a lot of, you know, in the beginning of the movie, you find a lot about who she is from, like, the perspective of uh, Seth and Evan. You know, they paint her as, like, the popular girl. She's very pretty. And, you, you know, they... There's a lot of stereotyping in high school. And... You know, it's they want a, a different direction with it. You know, when you actually find out who she is, she's not just that like bitchy popular girl who is mm-hmm. just like shallow and you know only cares about being popular or whatever. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. think I think one of the things like when you're young, you're trying to make sense of the rules or, or of the of the world rather, and I think that it's easier to kind of like to do that segmenting and be like well there's preppy and there's the punk kids and goth kids and you know so everybody kind of gets put in a box you know and you know the truth is that like people are much more complicated than than that you know Um, Mm -hmm. but i think that it is easier to when you are trying to make sense of the world and when you are uh naive it's just easier to uh to go about that way you know mm-hmm. um so yeah that's on the jewels side of things on the becca side of things i gotta say uh martha mcisaac um i had a crush on her like as soon as i saw her in this movie i was just like whoa hello yeah she was very cutesy you know she just it's like the girl next door type. Yeah, I got a I got a like real bad bad thing for uh girls that have like cartoon voices. Like, like oh. the little cartoon <laughs> voice, like it fucking kills me. I can't I can't stand it. If a girl has a cartoon voice, she like owns my heart. It's like <laughs> here, take it. Um Yeah, so Martha McIsaac like checks that box. I wish that I s- would see her in more, but uh you know, I don't necessarily think that her career fizzled out, but it definitely seems like something that's like a secondary thought for her, maybe like not she's not trying to have like a big career. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I haven't seen anything that she's been in since she was in the remake of The Last House on the Left. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. Um, and. You know. The Last House on the Left, that that remake, it tries to up the ante, the ante from the original Last House on the Left, and mm-hmm. uh, you just you just don't need to do it. And uh, you know, it, it's just man, The Last House on the Left, the original, is such a fucking ugly movie. It's so ugly. That was that was tough to watch. That yeah. was really tough to watch. It made me feel disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> watching that movie, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it, it, uh, and I feel like the, um, you know, I think that, like, the last house on the left, what Wes Craven did with it was basically he was trying to make like an anti war film, like a protest film against Vietnam. I remember you saying that, yeah, yeah, it's like he basically was trying to say, like, hey, this is what we're doing over in Vietnam. Like, this is what's happening. And 
like a lot of people want to turn a blind eye to it but i'm like he, he basically is like what if we recontextualize all that violence and say that it's happening in your neighborhood like it's happening right down the street it's happening just over there at the last house on the left you know like uh-huh. that was the mentality and uh you know so he he wants to put this like sickening violence and uh he wants to stamp out purity you know on that in that film you know he wants to really like rip away innocence in that film and like he does it in a in an unflinching way and he also does it in a in a nihilistic way like there are scenes of absolute absurd hilarity intercut with scenes of violent torture and dismemberment and you know sexual assaults and like it it, you go from one extreme of disgust to like that's a that like they they'll cut to like the two bumbling cops um played by bill Hader and seth rogan um Oh, no, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> the bubbling cops and <laughs> the last house on the left were not played by them. Uh, but uh, like it'll go from those sickening scenes to those shots of um, the two cops getting into all sorts of stupid misadventures. Like I think they they forgot to put gas in the cruiser. So the cruiser broke, broke down and then they needed to stop somebody to, to give them a ride. And they, the person they stop is they have a, a truck, a, a truck that's filled with chickens in wire cages and shit. And they have to have a conversation with the person about how like, Oh, I can't get rid of the chickens. So you're going to have to ride on top of the cages or some shit, you know? And it's like, ha, 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 ha. And then it's immediately back to like, oh, look at Krug carving his name in a teenage girl's chest, you know? Like, yeah, it's really fucking rough to watch. And it really Mm. makes you feel disoriented. And Mm. it's literally him being like, well, you don't care about the violence that's happening over there. You know, like you're living, you're like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, happy-go-lucky life while this horrendous shit is happening. He's like really trying to like, get that feeling across he does it very yeah. effectively and then the remake of the last house on the left um they miss all of that i, I don't think there's the bumbling cops um i it, it was there, there was no tongue-in-cheekness to it to mm-hmm. kind of cut the uh cut the violence cut the the it was pretty much bleak right from the get-go and then it, it just wouldn't let up it was relentlessly so and it feels like it missed the point about like desensitization you know even dehumanization um yeah i don't know it wasn't for me but martha mcisaac is in that um and you know she's she's fine in it for what she's asked to do but uh wasn't she was she just wasn't asked to do much that's the problem aaron paul mm-hmm. is in it uh, i know i was just looking that up i was like holy shit i didn't never realize that yeah he he's in it and like again he's fine but he's not really asked to do anything so you know how good can you be it, it just it feels like uh it was just a very half-baked kind of attempt at like remaking something that didn't have to be remade is like the last house on the left remake is a vast uh 
it, it's it 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 it's way weaker than the original, right? Uh, on the flip side of that, the Hills Have Eyes remake uh, actually polishes that story up and sands off the rough edges, and the Hills Have Eyes remake is actually much better than the Wes Craven movie. Um, I've never seen the original, but I did like the remake. The remake is really good. Um, tackle some more reframes what it's about. You know, it gets a little mm-hmm. bit more technical. But um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Martha McIsaac, I really would like to see her in more things. Uh, but it just doesn't really seem like there's there's big gaps in her filmography, you know, like she went two years 2010 to 2012 with uh nothing and then from 2013 to 2017 nothing it seems like 2017 there were two movies and then there was one in 2018 um and now again it's 2020 so it's been two years since that and i'm like you know she's in that movie what keeps you alive which i've seen recommended on netflix a whole lot and i was like that looks interesting i just haven't watched it yet maybe <laughs> yeah. i'll maybe i'll take a look at that at some point damn the poster for that one is fucking intense it's just somebody with blood all over them and they they look very scared yeah i don't know if you've seen the description of it but no yeah let me read it yeah, so some of these people are a couple celebrating the first anniversary at a, at a cabin in the woods, and then like, they're like, yeah, then so you never really know someone or something like that. And then it shows like this girl who like seemed like it's she's hunting this kid, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> whoa, man. And there's the jewels. There's the jewels in there too. Yeah, it's really strange. <laughs> I was, was hoping it? that it was going to be Martha McIsaac <laughs> playing her, but apparently not. This is from the moment they arrive, something changes in Jules's normally loving wife as Jackie begins to reveal a previously unknown dark side, all building up to a shocking revelation that will pit Jules against the woman she loves in a terrifying fight to survive. Damn. Huh. Sounds pretty good. I would watch that. Maybe we'll do an episode. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I... Uh... I do like Martha McIsaac, but as far as what I've seen her in, it's kind of confined to Superbad. Haven't really explored much of her other filmography. Um, yeah, Dawn of the Dead, Dawn before Dead Before Dawn 3D. Never saw that. Didn't. No. It looks like a cheesy zombie movie. Yeah. But yeah, nothing else. Nothing else on this list here. Yeah, it's weird. You always wonder, like, what, like, what that's caused by. Like, is it that she's trying and not getting it, or that she's like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm just kind of coasting, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is totally reasonable. I like, I totally understand it. If I had like a decent amount of money, I'd coast too. Just live life and have fun. That's what I would do. Yeah. Just live life, man. Live life. Um. I also wanted to throw out. Just, I really like Joe. Tr- Joe Truglio, was that his name? Um, um, he's the guy that hits Evan with his car. Mm-hmm. Or hits, no, sorry, hits Seth with his car. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, he's so fucking weird. 
So funny. <laughs> yeah. He's ridiculous. Joe Lotruglio is his name. Joe Lotruglio. He is so relentlessly strange. And I like him. He like he kind of he he pops in and out of like the kind of apato movies, you know, like I like you see him the other one that I can think of is um Pineapple Express. He's the the teacher um mm-hmm. that like originally like he walks up to Seth Rogen when he's talking to Amber Heard and he's like, Whoa, 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 whoa who are you? You know, and he's like all like sketched out about like Seth Rogen being there and uh you know, he's just also strange there, a little bit less creepy because he's actually trying to well, I should say starts out less creepy because he's like why is there like a 30 year old man talking to one of my high school students but then like one of his like male high school students goes by and is talking to amber heard and then he kind of gets creepy with him kind of in the yeah. same way that he gets with seth and and uh and evan mm-hmm. in this movie i like when he's like when he's driving them and he's like you know one of you uh one of you could have sat up here and so that's like we're fine back here we're good okay <laughs> safe Safe in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't trust this guy for a moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they had a fun little like world building, like just even the guy at the liquor store showing up at the party that they wind up at um, before they get to uh, Jules's party. Which guy? The guy that uh, I, th- who was it that? Was it was it Fogel that dropped the the beer cans and they started spraying all over? Oh the place? yeah, that guy, the guy that yeah. works there, and he's like, "Did you drop this? Sir? Did you do this?" He's like, "No, but you should probably clean it up." <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he's like discount Hurley, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, from Lost. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I like that he shows up later at the at the party that um, that that character the joe latruglio character drives seth and evan to um and i like the that other guy that was there the the like his cousin i think he was um the guy from grounded for life yeah i always fucking forget what that guy's name is but he's he has a uh is it is it this guy i think it's yeah, Kevin Corrigan uh, plays Mark in mm-hmm. that movie. And yeah, he has like a real weird energy <laughs> about him. Yeah. Uh, he just is uh, very scary. <laughs> yeah, which is odd because I think the only two things I've ever seen him in was Super Bad and Grounded for Life. And in Grounded for Life, he's just this very like goofy, just non threatening person. Yeah. He plays one of the hitmen in Pineapple Express. I love the fact that all of these characters are like kind of they all circle around each other. He's with uh, Craig. Oh, Ra- that that's that's Robinson. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Again, yeah. but it, like another like he's a hitman, but like another like non-threatening hitman. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty well cast though. I mean, there's a lot of good. A lot of good people in this movie. And was uh, he was he in This Is the End as well? Could have been. 
I'm starting to think he was in a lot more than I fucking remember. I'm like, I think I've only seen him in these two things. And you're like, yeah, I saw him in this, this, and this. And I'm like, I've seen all those movies. <laughs> he has a pretty extensive filmography, to be honest. It seems like it goes on. He was just in The King of Staten Island this year. Um, Which I did see. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. That's what good for it was me. Good. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Nick and Nora's playlist, which I've seen. I haven't seen that one. Um, yeah, yeah, he like just quietly is putting together work, man. He's in a lot of movies every year, like four movies every year. He was in Buffalo 66. I highly recommend that. Buffalo 66. I never heard of that one. Uh, it's awesome. It's such a cool idea. So Vincent Gallo plays this guy that's just got out of prison, but he lied to his family about being in prison. Um, Oh, shit. He told his parents, like, oh, I'm just out living life, you know? Uh, So he gets out of prison, and one of the things that he had fabricated in that lie was like, oh, yeah, I have a girlfriend and everything, blah, blah, blah. He gets out of prison, and it's Thanksgiving. And apparently, like, I think the deal was that he had already told his parents that he was going to show up and they were like oh you should bring your girlfriend and he's like shit fuck yeah girlfriend yeah i totally should bring my girlfriend yes so then he's like how am i gonna fucking pull this off i need a girlfriend and then he kidnaps christina ricci (laughs) and he's just like I know this seems really fucking weird, okay? But I need a girlfriend to go to Thanksgiving dinner with me at my parents' house, okay? Like, nothing bad's going to happen. I just need you to pretend to be my girlfriend. And she's like, (laughs) what? And he's like, just please, like, (laughs) help me out. And she's like, all right, fine. And, like, she goes to the house willingly as his girlfriend. But it actually, like, the way that it unfolds it actually kind of turns romantic it's a great it's a fucking great movie it's it's so weird it's just so strange you would never think that it would work but buffalo 66 is is a fucking gem like a real when did that when did that movie come out uh 1998 jesus yeah it's all right it's unbelievable dude it's just such a strange strange story um also it's a film by vincent gallo so the it's it's directed by and it was written by and stars vincent gallo which is like you know it's definitely a labor of love from his part and probably why it's so strange because it's like an auteur fucking director um just so that i can tie i can say something about batman vincent gallo (laughs) was always my uh my joker in my head um that dude just looks like the fucking joker to me very distinct gallo yeah he just has like you even some of the pictures of him now he basically looks like joaquin phoenix only he wouldn't have had to lose the weight he does look a lot like him doesn't he yeah he kind of has like a gauntness to him and i don't know there's something about him that i always was like that guy would be a fucking killer joker i could see it yeah um but yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, one of the things with comedy episodes is that they generally trend on being a little bit shorter than uh, than most of the other ones. Um, no. 
do you have anything else that you really want to say? No, you know, I really, I don't think so. But I mean, this one was, this movie was longer than most comedies were. This one was almost two hours. Yeah. Typically comedies get like an hour, 15, hour and a half ish. Yeah. But I was surprised. It's funny. Like the, I think it's because of all that subtext, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, I just wanted to show you this. I, I just saw this and apparently I'm not the only person that uh, noticed the Vincent Gallo Joker thing. Oh yeah, look at that. Like, there's a picture of him with Joker just right on his fucking forehead. Mm-hmm. And he's making like the Joker face. So I'm assuming that he probably that probably is something that he recognizes too. <laughs> that he should play the Joker. Looks like it. I don't know. Something about that guy. I just feel like he would nail it. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, uh yeah, I feel like I'm uh I'm pretty good. Also, Superbad, just real quick. So Michael Sarah's in it, and he was on Arrested Development. Uh, Superbad's directed by Greg Matola. Matola? I always want to call him Greg Motorola, which is the phone. Uh, <laughs> Greg Greg Matola directs Superbad, um, and he was one of the uh, directors on um, Arrested Development. Uh, it looks like at least the first season. He also directed the movie Paul which is the one where Seth Rogen plays the alien and Nick Frost and uh, Simon Pegg are two like geeky comic con bros. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, Greg Matola has done some pretty good work. I, I think I'm a fan of his. Mm-hmm. Apparently I've never actually seen Paul. Paul's good. I like Paul. Um Apparently, he, he directed episodes of The Newsroom for HBO as well, uh, which is majorly critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good for him. Um, kind of amazing watching somebody go from <laughs> super bad <laughs> and dick, <laughs> dick drawing jokes to uh, HBO acclaim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, I don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure that out. And we'll let you guys know, and it'll be fun. Episode fucking seventy next week. Is that crazy? That's that is crazy. crazy man. It's going on for seventy episodes. It's going Oof. on longer than anybody wants it to. Yeah. Us. <laughs> <laughs> Every but, week they're like these fucking guys again. Oh, again. They just, they just won't stop talking. They just won't yeah. do it. Do you see the post I put up? The story this past week it said that. Uh, we we released five thousand something minutes of of material of content. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Fucking crazy, dude! Wild, huh? It's a lot. It adds up, man. Um, that is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. But anyways, uh, I guess we'll call it a night. Yeah, I guess that's it. All right. Thank you guys for listening and. Uh, you know, listen in next week, whatever we're doing. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Next week on WT Fada, we're going to sit down and watch the 2017 film Wonder Woman in great anticipation for Wonder Woman 1984. So check it out.